It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's the Tyler's Place Podcast, a podcast by brothers for brothers, brought to you by the Supreme Council of the Scottish Rite Southern Jurisdiction. Now, from the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., here's your host, Maynard Edwards, 32nd Degree. Welcome to the Tyler's Place Podcast. I'm your host, Maynard Edwards. This show is by Masons for Masons, talking all about the cool things happening all over the Southern Jurisdiction and all throughout the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Don't forget, check those apps. Go to your app store and just search Scottish Rite. You're going to find the Scottish Rite Journal app. You're going to find probably a, an app for your own valley. There's the Scottish Rite app that allows you to talk to brothers all across the country. There's SR Chirp. There's a lot of them out there, so search those. Check them out right now. Also, don't don't forget, May 19th, that's coming up this Saturday, May 19th, 6.30 p.m. in the East until 11.30. Go to scottishright.org and participate in celebrating the craft. This is, it's essentially a telethon designed to not only raise money to support rebuilding efforts here at the House of the Temple, but also in your own valley. So check that out, scottishright.org. Please make arrangements to join us, get some brothers together, have a party in your valley, whatever. We want you there. We want you to participate. If it's for five minutes, or for all five hours, scottishright.org. That's Saturday night, May 19th at 6.30 p.m. And yours truly will be doing a little bit of the hosting. This month, we're going to talk about a couple of really interesting lodges, one that's here in the States and one that is overseas. We're going to start with the one that's here in the States. Brother Ken Barrett may be my new hero. Brother Ken is a retired police officer from Los Angeles originally, and he's a member of the Scottish Rite Valley of Los Angeles. And he now... His retirement job is that he is the marshal of Tombstone, Arizona. Yeah, 
Tombstone, Arizona, OK Corral, Wyatt Earp, the whole bit. He is the town marshal, and he's also the worshipful master of King Solomon Lodge Number 5, which is in Tombstone. So, Brother Ken, I mean, tell me where you're sitting right now. OK, well, right now I'm sitting at the secretary's table in our lodge room, which is located on the second floor of uh, Shefflin Hall. And uh, Tombstone, uh, they say, was founded by a man, a mason named Ed Shefflin. And he was a prospector, and he prospected in this area, which was known as Goose Flats. And uh, he was a part-time outfitter at Camp Huachuca back in the 1870s. And the soldiers kept asking him, well, what are you doing out there, Ed, uh, all alone in uh, Chiricahua Apache territory? You're going to lose your scalp. And he said, well, I'm out there looking for stones, which was the vernacular for uh, mining. And they said, yeah, well, the only stone you're going to find is your tombstone. So when he did find oil here in the Tombstone Hills, which took their name from his uh, strike, uh, he named that first strike the Tombstone. And then the town that grew up around it was named Tombstone. All right, I feel like I'm 12 years old watching Westerns again. This has to be one of the coolest lodges in all of Freemasonry. Well, I would, I would have to agree with you there. Uh, I'm looking out the window and looking at the OK Corral just across the street. So now the lodge there is actually, if I'm correct, King Solomon Lodge Number no. 5 in Arizona. Yes, King Solomon Lodge Number no. 5. Uh, although uh, on the state level at a Grand Lodge, they often call us Tombstone Lodge. We, uh, we started as a lodge in 1881, the year of the gunfight at the OK Corral, under dispensation from a California lodge. So you're a retired police officer, well, sort of retired, retired from Los Angeles as a police officer, only to become a police officer, a marshal in Tombstone, Arizona. I mean, tell me a little bit about your, your journey through Mason. Yes, I'm from California, and I was master of my uh, California lodge, at that time Frank S. Land Lodge, number 819. Named after the founder of the Demolay, of course. Yes, and, and so we were a lodge specifically set up for young men leaving Demolay and who maybe felt that they didn't want to associate with the old folkies in the local Masonic Lodge, they had a lodge they could go to of other young senior DMLAs. Now, I was only 29 when I was master of that lodge the first time, uh, installed back at the end of 1975. So you are no stranger to the Oriental chair, but I, I've got to say that Oriental chair that you're sitting in there in the Old West has got to be one of the coolest. Talk to me a little bit about Freemasonry and Tombstone. And let, let's start with the Earp brothers. I guess that's the most famous name. Were any of the Earps, Wyatt, Virgil, were they Freemasons? Yes. Of course, in the Scottish Rite magazine, we saw that a lodge in Tennessee claims that Wyatt Earp was a member there. Uh but that was the only time I saw that. Now, we do know that the father of the Earp brothers, Nicholas Earp, was a Mason, and like every father, wanted his boys to be Masons. And when they moved here to Tombstone, they decided to join the lodge. And Virgil was the first to petition. So he petitioned our lodge. And the members said, well, you know, we're, we're very happy that you're a lawman, but we understand that you don't get paid enough as the Marshal here of Tombstone to to have that as your exclusive employment. So all the lawmen had other jobs, bouncers in the saloons, and uh, Virgil helped Wyatt with his feral games. And they had to tell Virgil, "Sorry, but we don't take gamblers. And you and your brothers operate 
faro games here in the town, so he was blackballed. As was, as was the county sheriff, Johnny Behan. He petitioned and he was blackballed. The thing that really took me aback when I came to Tombstone was actually looking at the OK Corral itself and and why it's such a big deal. You maybe don't get a sense of this uh, in books or even on television, but the thing about the OK Corral and this gunfight is there was all these guys shooting at each other, and and the OK Corral is really, really... I mean, it's a horse stable, essentially. I mean, they were just a couple of feet away from each other (laughs) firing shots. So, I mean, that is what makes it such an interesting story, I guess. Yeah, one of the big uh, things that the Mythbusters like to present to tourists here is that the gunfight at the OK Corral didn't occur in the OK Corral. It was in a a vacant lot behind the OK Corral between Fly's boarding house and William Harwood's house. And it was just an 18-foot alley. And yeah, they were just literally feet apart, started blasting at each other, and then it, it moved out into the street. Well, William Harwood was our charter master here at this lodge. And after the gunfight, the Earps were arrested, and uh, a uh, 30-day hearing was held to see if they would be bound over for trial on charges of murder. And the judge, after hearing testimony of witnesses for 30 days, ruled that, no, the Earps and Doc Holliday were duly deputized and going where they had a right and duty to go, and did what they had a right and duty to do in trying to disarm the cowboys who were illegally armed. And so he dismissed the charges. And that man was Judge uh, Wells. And Judge Wells um, was the, the reason that the Earps didn't spend a long time in prison or who weren't hanged. And Judge Wells was our first master of this lodge. Uh, I'm sorry, Judge Wells. His first name was Wells, Judge Wells Spicer. And uh, if any of your listeners want to just Google Spicer Hearing, S-P-I-C-E-R, Wells Spicer Hearing, they can get his written statement of why the Earps were justified in doing what they did at the, at the gunfight. And so Masonic history is really linked to tombstone history. And that's probably because back in the 1880s, anybody who was anybody was a Mason. Wow, that's that's amazing. This is what really uh, fascinates me and something I truly love about Freemasonry is that that thread that runs through history that that every Mason is tied to from the beginning of time on through the American Revolution and now even into the Old West we find out that that thread that, that... that Masons running through history that ties us all together. Just, just such a neat thing. Well, what you're saying is exactly what I have said so many times. We, we, Americans don't need mythology because we have the real guys. And I don't know if it's something in the genes of those adventurous people who left their lives in Europe and came here to a raw, rugged frontier to, you know, to, to create a whole new world. Uh, that has been passed on, but that adventuring spirit that caused people to come here in the first place and then move west, brave the elements and uh, the Indians and all the rest, it's something that, you know, is still that pioneering spirit that we celebrate every day here in Tombstone. That's Brother Ken Barrett, and he is the Worshipful Master 
and Marshall in Tombstone, Arizona. You can look them up online. The lodge is King Solomon's Lodge Number 5 in Arizona. And if you go there, yes, you can become a member. I got to get one of those dues cards just to be able to have a Tombstone dues card. I mean, come on. This is the Tyler's Place. Well, we're going to stay with the Old West, as it were, and visit New Mexico, the Orient of Santa Fe, with our educational correspondent, Brother Mark Oldno, 33rd degree. Mark has been bringing us a lot of light in Freemasonry over the last several months, and this one's a little bit of a touchy subject, talking about Freemasonry and religion. It's something we're not supposed to talk about in Lodge, but all good Masons have to be men of faith, and the Scottish Rite really does tackle some of those ideas of being tolerant and, and being understanding of different faiths. And Brother Mark, pick it up from there. I mean, there's just so many different religions throughout the world. We've got, currently at this time on the planet, over 10,000 religions worldwide. 85% of the people on the planet who consider themselves religious are in the top five of those 10,000 religions. Uh, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and a kind of a combination of folk religions from across the world. It's worthwhile for any Scottish Rite Mason, especially given all the themes and the, the focuses that, that, that we have on these, to, to take some time to look at the theme of comparative religion. Um, there, you, you don't need to go back and take a university course. There's some really good materials that are available. I would point people to the, uh, to the works of uh, the late Houston Smith, uh, particularly, who, who really academically defined comparative religion and the study of comparative religion uh, um, over several decades back. Uh, his works are still seminal. Um, but as well, other familiar names would be um, Joseph Campbell, who kind of steps back and looks for archetypes and symbolism that is shared across uh, 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 religions and that also contrast across different religions. And last but not least, of course, for Scottish Rite Masons, uh, we can refer to Albert Pike. Morals and dogma really, from one perspective, could be understood as a... Um, uh, as a study in comparative religion, even before the whole idea of comparative religion as an academic science really existed, Pike was already beginning to look at this and to express this. So, so it's, it's really worthwhile to take a couple of minutes and, um, and go back in and learn about what links religions together, where they arrive from historically, how we got to this place on the planet where we've got 10,000 of them and, 85% of the people in just the top five. Now, if we've got 10,000 of them, and, and that's one time that we've been at this for quite a while. Um, indeed, as we've spoken about, you can look at, at archaeological sites like, like the, the big one these days is Gobekli Tepe in Anatolia in southeast Turkey, um, which is beginning to suggest a couple of things that, that first it's it's perhaps Paleolithic, 10,000 years old as a site. And what we're seeing looks to be a temple, uh, a temple that preceded all of the, uh, the major hallmark events of mankind, everything from the, you know, the invention of the wheel to the taming of animals and, and animal husbandry, but even to agriculture. 
so uh, Gobekli Tepe is suggesting to us that we've been at this spirituality, this religion thing, so that as long as we've been doing pretty much anything on the planet. The original word religio really just meant conscientiousness or piety. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't an institution. It was a way of being in the world. It was being religious, being holy. But religion as a thing really emerges a little bit later, more like the 15th or 16th century. We can ask ourselves, is there such a thing as an essence of religion, a core idea or a teaching? And without going into all of the history, again, I would point people back to some good texts, Houston Smith, Joseph Campbell, Albert Pike, to get a sense of the emergence of, of all of the various religions. But there's a couple of themes worth, worth emphasizing. Um, if we go back to, uh, to Neoplatonism, where I really see a lot of the roots uh, emerging for modern religion, is the idea of, of uh, the one, this one thing that we're all partaking of, uh, that, that really very easily could be seen as equated as, as signifying God. And again, with an emphasis on the connection that binds us all together, uh, and that this, this connection tells us something about the nature of God in our own souls and our spirituality. No matter what the differences are across all of mankind's religions, indeed, we're, we're generally pointing at and saying the same things. If we can stop fighting with each other long enough to listen to each other, we often find that, that we're saying the same things. I'll give you one example. If you look in almost any religion, you'll find almost the literal words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So we see these themes almost everywhere. This idea that there's a direct connection of each and every soul to the divine. Again, listen closely, brethren, to the 32nd degree and what we're reminded of. Fresh off of those reunions, all of us masters of the royal secret might want to take a minute and go back and review some of those great teachings. Brother Mark is back next month. If you've got an idea you'd like him to explore, a topic, a comment, just send an email, podcast at scottishright.org. Want to hang out with fellow Masons online? Visit freemasonnetwork.org. Every time you turn on television news or, or go to the internet to check out news of any kind, stories about North and South Korea are all over right now. And it's a really a very interesting time and history is, is unfolding before our eyes. It's, it's such a cool thing to witness. And there are indeed Freemasons in Korea. And in fact, uh, we have one here stateside who just was, was traveling, my friend and brother, Lieutenant Colonel Mike Alexander. He is the secretary of the Soul Bodies. And he stopped by the House of the Temple and I got a chance to catch up with Mike. Been a little while since we've had a chance to sit down, Mike. Yeah, Vader, it's great seeing you here in the big city. Uh, always a pleasure to come here to the House of the Temple. And I do bring the fraternal greetings of all the brothers of the Valley of Seoul in the uh, the Orient of Japan and Korea. Since uh, it's been a while since we chatted, why don't we uh, why don't we give folks your particulars, your name, rank, and serial number as it relates to the Scottish Rite? Uh, not necessarily to your military background, but you have both. Um, just update that, and then uh, we'll find out what's happening in, in the Soul Bodies and in the Orient of Japan and Korea. Well, William Michael Alexander, Mike, thirty uh, third degree. I'm the personal rep and the secretary of the uh, Valley of Seoul. A retired Army Colonel, but I've had the honor of being a Scottish. Right Mason for over 30 years and uh, have uh, 
visited almost every Orient uh, in the southern jurisdiction. And it's always a pleasure, again, to come here to D.C. and see everybody. Just got f- through with uh, visiting the uh, leadership conference in Omaha and a, a great time had by the brothers there. And, and it's really great to engage with uh, Scottish Rite Masons all over the United States. Now, I know some of the folks in, in some of the larger states in the, uh, in the southern jurisdiction can relate to this, but your valleys and your Orient are really spread out. I mean, across several countries, in fact. So, you know, some guys complain about having to drive four or five hours to a meeting. You have to get on an airplane sometimes. That's true. The uh, Valley of Seoul has 135 members. So as far as numbers, we're small. Out of that 135 members, probably 30 are actually in Korea, and out of that, 20 are active. So it sometimes is a challenge. And again, those who have been in the military know that there's a constant turnover in folks serving. Now, our members are not just military. They come from uh, really every background that you can imagine. Uh, Teachers, uh, professors, uh, pro- uh, professionals. We even have uh, salvage divers that uh, are members of our valley. But uh, uh, we basically meet uh, in the middle of uh, Korea right now, or maybe the northern third, you could say, in Seoul. But we have folks that travel one way uh, about 200 to 300 miles. And again, that, that's, that's pretty well the norm. Uh, just a little background. With the shifting of the base uh, clusters of uh, the military installations in Korea, here this year we're going to be moving about 100 miles south. So that means our friends down in the south uh, will only take uh, two hours to, uh, to get there, and those of us in the north will take two hours to get there. So, uh, again, basically, I, I would liken it to Indiana, and everything's uh, located in Indianapolis. So if you're commuting from northern, uh, uh, north of Louisville, Kentucky there, and uh, on the uh, Ohio River or you're coming down from Gary, Indiana there to Indianapolis. It's about the same thing. Gotcha. So obviously we're seeing a lot of uh, news about Korea and about uh, East Asia and, and the, right now uh, with uh, all the things happening with North Korea, South Korea and all that kind of stuff. How does that affect the fraternity at all? Well, for the Koreans, it's basically uh, the same thing that they've seen for you know, ever since 1953 when the armistice was signed. Now there's talk about a peace treaty, but uh, the regional stability, the uh, mission uh, that uh, the United States has and the interest that the United States has in that part of the world uh, obviously will not change. So uh, we're not packing our bags and getting ready to leave just yet. Uh, however, as far as the Korean uh, culture is concerned, uh, Freemasonry it does not have you know the appeal uh, to the masses that uh, it, it, it had uh, in the United States in the years gone by, especially in the, in the uh, time that the fraternity was at its height. But uh, a lot of young Korean professionals are interested, and if they can get past some of the spurious you know, conspiracy Illuminati theories that are on the Internet, we have quite a few young professionals who are becoming uh, members of the fraternity from, uh, the, the Korea, uh, from Korea. And these in- include school teachers, uh, military personnel, and I'm talking ROC, Republic of Korea school teachers, Republic of Korea military uh, professionals, as well as our expat ca- uh, uh, community, which are Americans, uh, South Africans, French. We have a very eclectic mix of members of the uh, uh, soul bodies of the Scottish Rite. 
how does a reunion work for you guys with with folks coming from all over? I would imagine is it something that's well attended? Do you guys travel to other places? I mean, how give, give me a little idea how degree work is put together in in that orient. Well, the twelfth of May is our our spring reunion, and uh, we we will have it now uh, in the, in the last four years. We will have it in the fourth different place. Uh, in the last four years because of moves and buildings closing and not being available and things like that. So we have, we have our regalia uh, stored in a storage facility, which is close to where we're going to have our meetings. And we're actually using uh, the, what's called the basement or downstairs of the main post club. Now, you're thinking a club, oh, it's basically a, a, those that served in the Army, a, a former officer's club or former non-commissioned officer's club where folks come to eat lunch and drink and have social gatherings and things like that. So we're using one of the social venues there. But we have folks that are traveling all over from, again, Pusan, which is 200 miles, 250 miles south, where I am at Weejambu, which is about an hour or so north of, of Seoul. Uh, we have people, you know, traveling there. Uh, in Korea, on, on the regular side of Freemasonry, uh, we have uh, two Grand Lodges. Uh, we have lodges that are under the Grand Lodge of Scotland and a lodge that's under the Grand Lodge of the Philippines. So that's where we draw our membership from. Uh, again, some are American uh, citizens, some uh, are, are expats at, uh, from other countries. In our branch, or in our bodies this year, rather, we have officers from uh, Korea, from South Africa, from France, and from the United States. So, again, uh, a, a, a great mix of cultures, but that bind that brings us all together is, is Scottish Rite Freemasonry. A podcast by brothers for brothers. This is the Tyler's Place. Tyler's Trivia with your grand archivist, Arturo de Hoyos. I'm catching Arturo de Hoyos just before he uh, gets ready to board a plane to Miami and uh, head south to uh, do a little presentation for our brothers down in Miami. And I think we'll get a little bit of a video so we can uh, share that uh, when you and uh, Brother Dean Alban get back. So uh, what takes you to Miami, Art? Uh, we were invited by Brother Adrian Castro to come down and do a presentation to the Valley of Miami. The question from last month, which was, where did the high degrees of masonry first appear in what would become the United States? Well, the answer is not what some people think. Uh, most people, or uh, many people, guessed that it would be Albany, New York, where the Lodge of Perfection was erected by Henry Andrew Franken in 1767. Uh, but it's actually uh, New Orleans. Some three years earlier, there were high-degree bodies set up there. And how did it emigrate from New Orleans to the Sea of Charleston, if you will? How many hours do we have? Right. Um, well, any history of the Scottish Rite, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but, I mean, the way that it happens with everybody is that, you know, people move. And uh, as they move around, these early Masons were very interested in spreading the high degrees of Masonry. And so they would create, if you were a, a holder of the uh, 25th degree of the Order of the Royal Secret, you know, and a deputy of this order, then if you went to an unclaimed territory or fresh territory, then you would also set up bodies there. And that's pretty much the way that it spread. Gotcha. 
Well, we do have uh, several guys who got that right. That was uh, that was an easy putt as far as uh, Brother De Hoyos is concerned. So let's move along with uh, the question for the month of May. Okay. Um, how about okay? What's the relationship between the walking Liberty Dollar, the Liberty, uh, the uh, Mercury Dime, and the House of the Temple? The Mercury Dime and the House of the Temple. What is the relationship? That's a great question. And if you think you know the answer, go ahead and send us an email to podcast at scottishright.org, or you can find us on the Scottish Right app or SR Chirp or what have you, and uh, and find out exactly um, the answer. Email to us if you enter in all three of those places. You got a shot at all three ones because we draw a winner from all the correct answers. From the House of the Temple in Washington D.C., this is the Tyler's Place. A fun piece of news as we wrap up the show. If you have an Amazon device that uses Alexa, whether it's an Echo or a Dot or some of the Kindles have Alexa built into them, if you have one of those, you can enable the Tyler's Place podcast on your Alexa-enabled device. You just have to go to the Alexa app and enable the tune-in skill. So go in there and search tune-in, enable that skill, and then say, Alexa, play the Tyler's Place podcast on tune-in. And it'll pop right on. You can listen to the Tyler's Place podcast right on your Alexa device, which I think is pretty cool. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you next time right here on the Tyler's Place podcast. If you're interested in becoming a Freemason or in joining the Scottish Rite, email us at podcast at scottishrite.org. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.